Alright, I'm gonna start this one off real quick with a clarification that I wanted to go ahead and make. And, well, it's not really a clarification, but somebody asked me the question based off of, and I mentioned it in our Philippian study, um, but to take up your cross. And somebody asked me what that meant. And it's really important to understand what it doesn't mean because of what people's perceptions of what it means. And I didn't want people to think that the way that I used it was the basic perception of the meaning of it because people misunderstand that statement all of the time. And the statement is based off of, it's in Matthew sixteen twenty four, Mark eight thirty four, and Luke nine twenty three, um, and it's the take up your cross and follow me. Starting with what it, it doesn't mean is, it's not a strained relationship. It's not a job that you hate. It's not a sickness that you're having to deal with. All these things don't. I mean. We all jokingly say that it's, oh, it's my cross to bear. When you're like stuck in a really, when you're stuck in a really bad yeah. situation. But that's where it kind of generates the misunderstanding from the whole thing. It's saying things like that. And I say it. I mean, we all say it. It's, it's, it's become a, it's just become a saying. But it, even though it's a saying, it's an incorrect, you know, statement. Because, th I mean, that would actually take away from the power of the cross by saying those things. Saying that you're paying some kind of, uh, you know, payment for all of your sins that you have in your past. Yeah. So therefore, I'm being punished. So therefore, I'm being punished, and this is exactly why. Job because it's my cross to bear. Right. Now, I mean, there's there's truth to. I mean, that statement, and sometimes we have to just, you know, pick it up and move on. And move forward and kind of suck it up. And that makes that, I mean, that makes that part of it true. But really what Jesus is, and the importance of this is the, is the difference here. That really what Jesus is communicating is he's telling people, you need to be willing to die in order to follow me. In order to follow me, you're going to, are you willing to lose your friends, your family, your reputation, your job, your career, everything that you've worked for, are you ready to lose all of that for me? That's what he's saying. Because giving up our hopes, dreams, all these things, if need be, for Christ, are you ready to do that? It's a huge commitment. So that's what he was trying to, well, that's what, not trying, that's what he is communicating there. That's what he is saying. So while there's a little bit of truth in the, in the way that we use the, the statement, that's definitely not what Jesus was saying. And this is one of those uh, passages that gets kind of overlooked in that because this is one of those things that we really have to circle and we really have to go are you willing and have you i mean have you are you currently 
following your own selfish desires or are you following Christ? Because following Christ just does alienate you from family, job, reputation, life. I mean, your closest friends. It just alienates you from all of this. And you have to be ready to be able to give all that up. Because if not, you'll be sitting in a miserable situation in just misery. And you may actually be hindering your growth. You may actually be stunning your growth. Jesus doesn't ask you to give up these things just because he wants to torture you and pull you away from everything. That couldn't be further from the truth. He wants you to follow him because it's a better way. So that was my... I just wanted to go ahead and clarify. That was my intended use. I, I used it in, I think, the Philippians in the way of just kind of our modern usage of it, our modern understanding of it. But then when somebody... I, it wasn't enough for anybody else to catch it. Nobody else caught it. So I caught my... It was one thing that I caught myself when somebody asked me what taking up your cross meant. So I just wanted to make sure that I just stated that before we started. But now we can hop in the DeLorean here. We're going to go way back to the Old Testament and go to probably a book that nobody even knows exists, or not many people do. It's one of those books that you can easily flip by in the Old Testament, one of those minor prophet books. And it's like a weird name that you can never like yeah, know how to one pronounce of those... properly anyway. So you're like, eh, we just skip it. Yeah, and that's Habakkuk. And uh, this, yeah, you're probably like, what? Yeah, that's the, that's how you pronounce the one weird one with the H that's really small. Like three chapters all, you know, in the back in the Old Testament. But what's really important about, well, you know, every single book of the Bible, but... There's a lot of really, really interesting in some mysterious things surrounding Habakkuk and really what it's about because it's unique. This book is unique in so many different ways. He was a Habakkuk was a prophet probably sometime before the Babylonian exile, but right before maybe. Maybe around Jeremiah's time, but it also could have been as late as Daniel and Ezekiel, just based off of a couple of hints in the book here. But there's literally nothing known about Habakkuk at all. Like, the, the only details that we know about Habakkuk are from the text. But it's... A super interesting prophet book because it's not he's not prophesying to any one person he I mean it's about Judah and this is like I said this is right around the Babylonian exile and this whole book is about what God is doing through Babylon and how he will ultimately use it for good and, and we'll go over this whole thing um, but it's literally just a conversation between more so a complaint between Habakkuk and God 
And I thought the reason why I wanted to do this book now is because in light of the past 48 hours with our mass shootings that we've had in the United States, um, you know, it got me to think and in seeing all the tears, all the pain, all the, you know, you begin to ask a lot of questions. You begin to, you know, we hear, um, you know, on the news you always hear somebody yelling, where's God now? Or, or something, you know, or something to that effect. Or, you know, saying that we need all these different laws enabled for these things, you know. And you're just like, my gosh, this this world is a mess. It's going, you know, down the tubes quickly. But <clears throat> Habakkuk is really cool in that right, too, where he saw the evil and injustices of his time and he's so upset by it that he's literally complaining to God here in this book. And he's complaining about all the violence, all everything that happens. And then God's response to him. And through that comfort and promise. But you also see Habakkuk because they go back and forth a little bit and you also see him question like, I, I, how are you going to do this? I, I do not understand what's going on right now. Uh, but we know that in the end, God has a plan that's much bigger than, than we know. And actually, we do know most of the plan, not the tidy details. But we have to remind ourselves that God is in control and that he does have it. And that's what Habakkuk kind of um, just definitely um, brought about to the forefront of my mind that I needed to, to do this today in light of that. Just to kind of, I think it explains a lot. It gives us a lot of information today about how God works, about how we feel and how we can communicate with God and then realize that Oh my gosh, yeah, once he's got it, then we realize that he's worthy of praise and we have nothing at all to worry about. So, everything is written in scripture to <clears throat> instruct us. We learn from it. And we we did we just get to see the traits of God and how he works and interacts with us and the world around us. So even though we're jumping back to probably around 600, somewhere in 600 BC with this pro tell me how much you see and understand in this book about what's going on today and look how timeless all of this is is just very very fascinating to look at so we'll jump into chapter one and before you start go ahead and take a minute to pray uh take a minute to google the book to try to find it if you can't find it <laughs> it's, it's lost in there in the back somewhere it's really tiny it's three chapters if you have the nlt study bible are you turning to it hey no yeah i'm there you're there. What page is it on if you have that? If you have our illustrated study Bible, the NLT, it's on page 1,596. There you go. So take a minute to pray. 
you know, there's like the big ones that you know of, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. And then you go and then you get to these little tiny ones. And there's little Micah, sure. little names. And they're called little minor little prophets, Habakkuk. not because their prophecies were any less than the major books. It's sure. literally they're minor because they're small. They're yeah. three chapters. So. Um, some are one. So if you've got to Zephaniah and Haggai, you've gone a little too far, go right back. And then if you've, you know, already hit <laughs> yeah, not, or Matthew, Yeah, not to be confused with Haggai. It's Habakkuk. All right. And I'll do it in NLT since I've, I, I've got a bunch of messages from people thanking me for using NLT. And uh, even though I prefer to use ESV in my own personal studies, I like NLT a lot, uh, especially to teach with. So, and NLT, not to be confused with yes, NWT, thank you. which thank is the you. Jehovah Witness Bible, the New World Translation. That is blasphemous. That is absolutely yes, wrong. Yes, this is all be not destroyed. a heretical not translation. What we're talking about. Just clarify. Yeah, just to clarify. Thank you. Uh, a lot of abbreviations. They get confusing. Thank you for same, bringing like, that just, up because that confirming. was a message that we actually got. Yes, that yeah, was funny because they were like. Wait a minute, I'm listening to you guys, and you guys totally sound solid. You guys don't sound like complete false teachers, but Brandon <laughs> keeps talking about the NLT. Somebody was thinking that I was uh, talking about the NWT, NWT which yeah. is the heretical yeah. Jehovah Witness Bible. So that's it. No, this is the New Living Translation, and unless you ask a King James-only person, this is a great, yes. great translation that Very sticks uh, to the original text without taking too many liberties all right so verse one this is a message now hold on and just to note the liberties it does take it's not that it changes the context yeah it doesn't anything. change the context it's just our relation to understanding the original context Correct. of these yeah it doesn't just clarifying <laughs> yeah i mean uh, yeah unless you do like the one that me and travis were talking about earlier with the olive tree and then they say any other tree for that matter yeah like now so, that's a huge liberty that yeah. you're taking away the nation of israel so that's a different podcast. Habakkuk, verse 1. This is the message that pro the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. Okay, so you could see at the top of... I don't know what yours says right there, but on the top of you know the, the little headings here, it says Habakkuk's complaint. So check this out. See Mine this says Habakkuk's perplexity. Well... And questioning God's inactivity. That's That works, too. Mine says... They, they, Habakkuk is ref, uh, referred to a lot as the complaining prophet. Mm -hmm. And we'll see why here. Yeah. Well, like with the weeping prophet, the complaining prophet. The weeping prophet. prophet the um, let's just note though real quick. Whenever you see that someone received a vision from God Almighty himself. Yeah. It, uh, it usually wasn't followed with like, oh, yay, a vision. Look what God revealed to me. <laughs> Let's just remember that in life, that whenever God right. himself reveals something right. of himself or a vision, it's... it's. Let's remember that the Habakkuk bad. was a prophet that, that God appeared to in a vision, not in person, in a vision. So that's an important, it's an important note for a different podcast, Heidi, but a very important note. So now that we've confused everybody... But one day all of these podcasts will come out and people will be like, ah, that's I get it. what yeah. they were okay. talking about. Okay, Back to Habakkuk two. here and complaining. Verse 2. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? 
Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. Let me explain something to you real quick about Judah. If you want to know what Habakkuk is talking about here, look no other than the problems that we have right in our very own country. We follow the very same trend that Israel and Judah both did. Very same trend. It's not it's a it's a human trend. It's not something that's exclusive to a time and a place. Although this is very specific to a time and a place, what happened and what's going on, the reason why we're reading this book today is because it's applicable to what's going on right here and what, right now. That's the reason why we have it. Yes, this wasn't written specifically to us, but we can take this and we can have a, oh, I get it moment. And that's what we, we need to have and what we need to learn from this. So you go, what is he, what is he complaining about? Destruction, violence? What, I mean, none of the same things that are happening today were happening then. Murder, immorality. I mean, you name it. No justice in the courts? Come on. There's no justice anywhere. We, call, we cry for justice. We call for it. But we don't have it. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. And speaking of the leaders, even Trump said he was attempting to drain the swamp. We know that we have a swamp of leaders in our very own country. And he hasn't drained the swamp. I mean, he has. He's he's gotten some stuff out, but come on, it's politics. It's a swamp. That's what the point is here. The only way to drain the swamp would be to you know no longer have government and politics. Yeah, no, ever have a swamp to drain. Which, well, all right. So, justice has become perverted. Violence is everywhere. Why do we have to watch all this destruction, misery, people argue and fight? Wouldn't you say that that's everywhere? All of the time. There is something everywhere all the time arguing and fighting. I guarantee you there will be arguing over this podcast at some point <laughs> between somebody. I mean, you can't say anything without there being no. arguing and fighting. But I think it kind of defines a, a, a people. All right. This is cool because then you have the Lord's reply. So what does God have to say about it? He's like, we, that's amazing because like, you know, we go, oh, you, you can't say that to God. You can't complain to God. You can't say that he's not doing anything. Look at it. Well. 
Verse 5. The Lord replied. And again, this is, he's explaining to Habakkuk here what he's going to do with the nation of Israel and how he's telling him that the Babylonian, he's going to tell him here that the Babylonians are going to come, they're going to pillage him, they're going to do a bunch of bad stuff, they're going to take him into exile, but it's totally cool because they'll get theirs and you'll be completely fine. And he's like, whoa, what? how is this going to work? How is this good for me? That our nation is going to be taken into captivity and all these people are, how is this good? So this is, he's explaining to him how he's going to use this for good. And we can take this to mean, I mean, we can take this for us to just remember that even though that we see everything and everything that's going on now, we know that God has total control and the plan is is not falling out of place. Everything is right in place, perfectly fine the way that it is. Even though it's not, God's got it. Verse 5, the Lord replied, Look around at the nations, look and be amazed. For I'm doing something in your day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge from far away. Like eagles, they swoop down to devour their prey. Oh, they come all bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and scorn all their fortresses. They simply pile ramps of earth against their walls and capture them. They sweep past the wind and they are gone, but they are deeply guilty for their own strength as their god. So, all right, God explains here, obviously, that um, Babylonians... Listen, you're totally not going to understand, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you. You know, see, I wouldn't, for I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. Okay, and then I'm going to tell you exactly what that is. I'm going to use the Babylonians to do all these things. They're going to conquer. They're going to do all this. How does this sound good? He's telling me they're all bent on violence. They advance like a desert wind. They scoff at kings and princes. So they just plow everybody that's in their way. They're strong. They're fierce. They plow through everything that's in their way. And then at the end he goes, but their own strength is their God. But they're deeply guilty. But that's so important. But they are deeply guilty for their own strength is their God. That sums up the whole answer right there, but Habakkuk's mind isn't there yet. So verse 12, O Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. O Lord, our rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins. But you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? Are we only fish to be caught and killed? Are we only sea creatures that have no leader? 
May we be strung up on their hooks and caught up in their nets while we rejoice and celebrate. Then they will worship their nets and burn incense in front of them. These nets are the gods who have made us rich, they will claim. Will you let them get away with this forever? Will they succeed forever in their heartless conquests? So you can see Habakkuk totally does not understand. He's like, wait, you surely don't plan to kill us all, do you? Because you just told me that the Babylonians are going to come and punish us, but they're going to come and they're going to wipe us out. But then he's like, can you really stand there and sit and watch us this all happen? Are we only just like, you know, just fish and nothing? And they're just going to celebrate? They're just going to get away with this? They're just, and then he begins to question God. Will you let them get away with this? So he, God tells him what he's going to do. And then he's like, wait a minute. So you're just going to be fine? But how true is that to how we feel today, right? Like we were right. talking, we've had more than one mass shooting every day so far this year. Right. We're on what, day 217? There have been 253 yeah. mass shootings yeah, just this year in just the United night. States. So we've had more than one per day, which makes you look around and go, really? You're just going to let, like, this is what you're just going to let happen? feels yeah. that way sometimes. Excuse our kids running through the house. Sorry. All right. Well, that's a good intro for chapter two. We'll go ahead and do the whole thing. It's three chapters. All right. So Habakkuk, after saying these things, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There we'll wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. I love that. I, I could go off on a whole thing on that, but we'll just leave it at that. Habakkuk is like, all right, said what I'm going to say. I'll wait for you to answer me now. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. And that's how and why we even have Habakkuk as a book in our Bible. Is that's right there. This is obviously a message from the Lord to write something down. Plainly on tablets. So that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This visit, th Verse 3. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slowly in coming, wait patiently. For it, surely, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. This is not, this is about, again, this is, is about the Babylonian exile and about Babylon. Uh, however, us Christians can definitely be comforted this and, and look at this as for a future time. It describes the end. It will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. He seems like he's taking a long time, like Peter says. He's saying they're going to scoff and they're going to say, where is he? Everything's continuing on as it always has. Where is he? Well, because we need to remember that with all the old prophets and prophecies, they usually had a partial fulfillment for whatever that specific point was that they're talking about, like this here with the Babylonians. But then you'll notice as you're reading through, there'll be like little things. You're like, 
well, wait a second, but that hasn't that happened. That hasn't happened. Yeah. Well, because there was always this like partial fulfillment right there in that time, and then there's a future total fulfillment that. Well, that's what's really interesting in. about um, the whole book of Isaiah. Yeah, um, is because Jesus quoted out of Isaiah many times, but many times Isaiah was prophesying a direct prophecy for his day. Yeah, that's what's amazing about Isaiah is it's so multi-layered. Isaiah goes all over the place. It goes from past, present, future, uh, and, and talks about a very. But the present takes up a good chunk of the middle part of the book, and it's very, very important in in the in the history. So that's when you're looking at and these. It's not like oh, well, that was just to things, them. It has nothing not to just do with to us. Them, no. It has nothing to do with us. No, it's like Jesus quoted out of it, and there's still plenty of Isaiah that still will be and yet to be fulfilled. All right. Ver so remember, if it seems slow at coming, wait patiently. Verse 4. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Wealth is treacherous and the arrogant are never at rest. They open their mouths as wide as the grave and they, like death, are never satisfied. In their greed, they have gathered up many nations and swallowed many peoples. But soon their captives will taunt them. They will mock them, saying, What sorrow awaits you, thieves? Now you will get what you deserve. You've become rich by extortion, but how much longer can this go on? Suddenly your debtors will take action. They will turn on you and take all you have, while you stand trembling and helpless. Anybody? Yeah. Any connections here? Yeah. Because you have plundered many nations, now all the survivors will plunder you. You committed murder throughout the countryside and the town and filled the towns with violence. What sorrow awaits you who build big houses with money gained dishonestly? You believe your wealth will buy security, putting your family's nest beyond the reach of danger. That sounds like New York City. I'm sure how many how many flats in in places in new york city were built off of money that's well look at i mean we have lived in the charlotte area when the recession hit um with it being the banking capital yep. and then you'd go up to lake norman where all the fancy mm -hmm. folk live you know all the ceos and all the executives in the banking industry and man it was becoming like a ghost town yep yep and well um that was right when we started getting out on right towards the beginning of the end of that. Yeah. But really, I mean, this whole, the, this whole thing, I mean, how this is today, this is America. This is Western culture. You who build big houses with money gained dishonestly, which if you're in any realm of business, there's a dishonest level, regardless of anything. Business is dishonest. You believe your wealth will buy security, putting your family's nest beyond the reach of danger. What's think, the biggest thing we've gotten, even from family and friends, when we said, you know what, we're going to go into ministry full time. We feel God calling us. You can't do that. How are you going to, you know, it's the security you give up not having a reliable or any paycheck. Right. You've got to put your family nest beyond the reach of danger. You, yeah. So you've got to have. This, I have to know this, this income retirement. is coming. I have yeah. to, yeah, exactly. I have to have my four hundred one k, my retirement. What are we gonna do? What about this? What about that? What about this? Um, I think everybody is fully aware of the the correlation with Babylon. You know that that has always been used. 
It's always been used as a pagan godless nation. Sure. And it's a gen. It's been used. It was a literal terms, place, but, but now we use it. Yeah. Used it. Um, you know, in a more umbrella term, like Peter did when he said that he was writing from, from Babylon. Babylon. Yeah. Um. So, even though the Lord here is talking directly about Babylon, where do you think that this parallel comes from? It comes from these types of traits of the nation of Babylon and how that relates to every other society that's ever existed ever from the beginning of time. Because the rich will always oppress the poor. That'll, ju- I mean, that's just the way that it goes. There'll be people that are ahead and people that are behind and the people that are ahead will always oppress the people that are behind no matter what. And, but by the murders you committed, you have shamed your name and forfeited your lives. The very stones and the walls cry out against you, and the beams and the ceilings echo the complaint. What sorrow awaits you who build cities with money gained through murder and corruption? Has not the Lord of Heaven's armies promised that wealth, the wealth of nations will turn to ashes? The wealth of nations will turn to ashes. Has the Lord of Heaven's armies not promised this? Remember that one. They work so hard, but all in vain. (laughs) I love that. They work so hard, but all in vain. This is the whole world, people. The whole world system, everything. Yeah, we've got it all figured out, don't we? We know how to make it great again. We know how to... We know how to forward it. We know how what the future is, and we we know all. We know this how stuff. to get it security yep. and safety, yep. and this is what you got to yep. do. I think back to Psalms, like even though it's not in context, but he who sits in the heavens laughs at these things. That like, <laughs> I mean, this is what he's saying right here. They work so hard, but all in vain. For as the waters, verse fourteen. For as the waters fill the sea. The earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. What sorrow awaits you who make your neighbors drunk? You force your cup on them so you can gloat over their shameful nakedness. What sorrow awaits you who make your neighbors drunk? You force your cup on them so you can gloat over their shameful nakedness. This liter- this isn't literally talking about your neighbor getting your neighbor drunk, forcing you to drink. Nope, this is talking about... These nations, like possibly a Western nation, that just has a disgusting influence over the rest of the world. Like how intoxicating the Western culture has been to, I don't know, the rest of the known world. Verse 16, but soon it will be your turn to be disgraced. Come drink and be exposed. Drink from the cup of the Lord's judgment, and all your glory will be turned to shame. You cut down the forests of Lebanon. Now you will be cut down. You destroyed the wild animals, so now the terror will be yours. You committed murder throughout the countryside and filled the towns with violence. Which, look right there. Look at the... And again, we're only talking from our country because that's the only one we live in, so it's the only one we'll speak about. But look at this. Look what we've done to the environment. 
Look sure. at our food systems today. Sure. Look at, I mean, I mean li- like literally apply this. I mean, you can literally apply It's funny apply because everybody wants notes. to point a finger at all around the world. But right now we're talking what we know, what we see around us. I know. Yeah, this can be applied to many I know. That, yeah, I know Russia's just like this. I oh, know. Yeah. But we're just talking from I know every single mid- Middle Eastern nation is yep. exactly like this. Yep. So this is not exclusive to us, but it's we get this idea that it's not. We get this that this can't possibly be talking about us. But we have to deal with some realities here, but even though we're dealing with these, we have encouragement coming up here. So we'll go from serious and then we'll we'll realize what's going on here. Um verse 18, what good is an idol carved by man or a cast image that deceives you? How foolish to trust in your own creation, a God that can't even talk. What sorrow awaits you who say to wooden idols, wake up and save us. To speechless stone images you say, rise up and teach us. Can an idol tell you what to do, that they may be overlaid with gold and silver? But they are lifeless inside. But the Lord in his holy temple, I'm sorry, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. And don't think just because you don't actually have, like, carved wooden images that you don't have idols that you are saying, wake up and save us, rise up and teach us, tell me what to do. Because we do have idols. May not be. I feel like a lot of times people read that and you're like, oh, well, that's not me, obviously. I don't have, like, a little statue that I think can do things. No, but you have a career that you think can do things. You have you have all these all these things that you put before God that you trust in for your safety, for your security, for your knowledge, for your wisdom, for your prosperity, for whatever you want to say. The idol of country, the idol of career, the idol of self, the idol of nutrition, the idol I mean you could do it all day. Money. And see, Israel, God's people was Oh, I swear I almost felt an earthquake. I thought I that was weird. I guess it was maybe the table that shook that it hit my chair. But like it was at my feet, so it was like weird. You thought for sure? That's pretty crazy. You kind of stressed me out. Yeah, I don't know. It was weird. Anyway. Sorry. and Everybody got interrupted for a false earthquake. It, although it may not be. They've been going nuts around here lately. Not here specifically all right anyway back to habakkuk okay what we have to remember here that israel god's people and what god is talking about now is he's speaking about everything that we just read is speaking of babylon and he's explaining to habakkuk look don't worry about them i'm not pleased with them i'm only using them to be able to punish you for your sins to refine you to be able to fully glorify you later on. I'm only using them for this purpose. So don't worry about it because you don't understand my ways. You don't understand how everything is going. But I do have a plan for you. So Habakkuk starts realizing here like. Oh. Well. Guess we should trust in God then. Since you know you got it. And you're doing all this stuff. And I guess I shouldn't worry about it. And so in chapter 3, verse 1. This prayer was sung by 
the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in the years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. I see God moving across the deserts of Edom. The Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and earth is filled with his praise. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is hidden. It's right there is Habakkuk 3.4. That's a pro he didn't even know, but he's prophesying the coming of the Lord. Second coming. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rise of light flash from his hands with his awesome powers in. Pestilence marches before him. Plague follows close behind. When he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountain and, is leveled, and levels the eternal hills. He is the eternal one. I see the people of Kashan in distress and the nation of Midian trembling in terror. Was it in anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the sea? Were you displeased with them? No, you were sending your chariots of salvation. You brandished, you brandished your bow and your quiver of arrows. You split the earth with flowing rivers. The mountains watched and trembled. Onward swept the raging waters. The mighty cried out. The mighty deep cried out, lifting its hand in submission. The sun and the moon stood still in the sky as your brilliant arrows flew and your glittering spear flashed. You marched across the land in anger and you trampled the nations in your fury. You went out to rescue your chosen people to save your anointed ones. You crushed the heads of the wicked and stripped their bones from head to toe. With his own weapons, you destroyed the chief of those who rushed out like a whirlwind, thinking Israel would be easy prey. You trampled the sea with your horses, and the mighty waters piled high. I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me, and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day, when the disaster will strike the people who invade us. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, and the fields lay empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields, and the cattle barns are, are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. So, he kind of realizes there that, yeah, he's got it, this, this whole thing. He's, he's got a plan for this whole deal. And he uses the nations, and he uses these things that happen as part of his plan. So, everything that we see going on around us currently... Everything even that we have super complicated in our lives is all, it's a very small part, but it's all part of this bigger plan that God is in complete control of. And we just have to remember to praise him during these times for the fact that he controls these things and definitely um, 
we can do our part in prayers and definitely um, action and you know uh, spreading the word um, you know if you're anywhere in the area of these places I mean this is a perfect time to to take the gospel to people that really really need it because none of these laws and none of these things that we're talking about now are going to do any good whatsoever these people need Jesus and they need to hear the true gospel and we need to be be sharing it and and remember that we're not part of this Babylonian world system. We're part of a completely different system that lives apart from it. And we must live and act apart from it. And that is the only way that we're going to be able to even somewhat separate from, you know, this is one way to actually help this madness that's going on now instead of just piling laws and legalism on it you know we really have to this is a hard issue that we really have to attack in the body um we really have to attack in a good way not in a bad way but i mean we have to go for the heart not for for laws and legalism and and arguments so that was habakkuk hopefully Somebody learned something about that little tiny book that's in the back that nobody really think matters. <laughs> well, I guess technically it's like in the middle, but in, in the, the middle, back I guess. But in testament. the back, I mean, we say in the in the front, actually. Yeah. But us being Christians and living off of the New Testament, we go, "Oh, that's in the back." Yeah. Then you go, "No, no, no, that's in the front." Yeah, but that's in the. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's heavy stuff, man. Anything else you want to add to your Habakkuk? Nope, I think that's it. <laughs>